Who is Coach Mike? Coach Mike, very nice guy. He's a good softball coach. He's sincere. He's the dumbest smart guy I've ever known. Upbeat, optimistic, good-natured, always looking on the bright side of things. Wow, thank God he didn't say that I had a face for radio. But then what do you expect for $5 these days? Just can't hire good help. Hey, in all seriousness aside, stay tuned for the Weed Whacker podcast where I will be discussing almost any subject and bringing in guests to hash out and get rid of all the weeds. We're going to clear the path for your success in whatever it might be you need. Your life, your business, your politics, your religion. We're going to bring it all right here to the Weed Whacker. Ladies and gentlemen, you hear that noise going. You know what that is? That is the weed whacker. Get that tool out. Very common tool. And what is it used for? It's used to whack weeds. That's what we do on the Weed Whacker podcast. Everybody, every one of us, you, me, everybody else, we have some junk in our lives. We have some weeds in our life that hinder us from being our best, from getting to where we want to be. And so we're going to whack those weeds out today. I've got a very special guest. In talking to him before the show, I find out that him and I actually share a lot more in common, even though I'm ancient compared to him in many ways. I'm probably, you know, I'm an old, old guy, but we have a lot in common. And so we're going to be whacking some weeds for you people, especially if you're somebody, maybe you're a younger person, you're maybe you're in college, but you wonder why you're there. That's going to be one of the subjects we're going to be hammering today. So let's welcome to the Weed Whacker, S.J. Barraconi. I got to make sure I pronounce that right. I always get, you know, I'm here in North Carolina, and I argue with my friends because they always pronounce Appalachian. No, it's Appalachian, everybody. Well, S.J.'s on my side here. It's Barraconi, not Barraconi. So, S.J., welcome to the Weed Whacker. Thank you so much for the very nice welcome, and I appreciate the accent the accentuation if that's the, if that's the right word of the name because <laughs> it is it is um as i as we said offline before we started recording it is very much southern european inspired so thank you it's a pleasure to be here and i look forward to um doing my very best to serve to solve and to share sj what what drives you what is give us a, about just a couple of minutes of your background what is brought you to this point now. What is your focus to help other people whack weeds? I found that the driver, um, as I got into my uh, into my 30s, and especially now in my 40s, haven't quite hit the 50 mark yet. But what I have found is I, I care at a deep level a lot more about my mission, my purpose, why am I here, and my legacy, what am I going to leave behind? You know, what's the, sh- what's the long tail? What's the shadow, right? What am I leaving behind? So as I went through that transformation, I learned that my motivation was in a small way 
was to leave the world better than I found it from what I am impacting. The micro level, local community, the macro level, people that I talk to around the globe. It's what can I do through thought leadership, through serving, or a lot of people understand this as servant leadership. What can I do to raise the consciousness level of humanity, of mankind higher, rather than what a lot of people have devolved to, and it's a little disappointing to me, it's arguing back and forth, debating back and forth, and while you're doing that, the problems are not being solved, and we're pointing more fingers than we have on our own hands. So I'm all very about good. solutions. So thank you for the opportunity to share that. Oh, very good. I'm, I'm with you. I'm one of the guys, you know, if you yell louder, that means you're more right than the other guy. Uh, I'm, I love politics to a degree. It, you know, like a friend of mine sent me a, a meme or a, com, a cartoon a few weeks ago. I said, Mike, I thought about you with this. It says, I spend, I've got nothing better to do than to spend my time on social media arguing about politics with somebody I have no idea who they are, you know, (laughs) yeah, you you know, but it's sort of part of my purpose. And I I agree with you a hundred percent that we get too busy arguing. And I guess my part of it is, is all, why are you arguing? You know, sometimes we need to argue. That's one reason I I do like our former president because he at least stood up when the people better were so many times we, Oh, let's don't, let's don't offend somebody. No, no. You got to stand up for what you think is right. So I appreciate that. But so many people just yell back and forth and they don't even think about why or what they are yelling. And that's what drives me crazy. I found you and I got something very much in common. Uh, I'm too smart for my own good, SJ. I I put it this way. In, In high school, everybody said I was supposed to be an engineer, okay, because I was so good at math and science. 3.59 3.59 in high school. And the only reason it wasn't higher was because I was a procrastinator. But if, like in freshman algebra, if I didn't have to turn the homework in, I didn't. And I got straight A's just so I could look at it in a book and there it was, right? Well, I was accepted to Purdue. Of course, I was thinking MIT and Caltech. I was accepted to Purdue and everybody said I should be an engineer. And I read this. There was a series of books in the school library. And I read every one of them, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, uh, industrial engineering, chemical engineering. I read all of those. And I oh, those are all cool. And they all said one thing that I cared about. When I got out of college, I could make $100,000 a year. Wow, isn't that cool? So what? I don't care what I'm doing. Give me 100000 a year, baby. I'm, we're going back to the 60s and 70s now. So I was accepted at Purdue, but grandma said she could only afford a year. Dad said he could only afford or She was going to pay a year. Dad could only afford a year. He said, why don't you stay home? First two years, because back then we didn't have all the free money you have now for student loans and all that stuff. So I stayed home, and I'm a dark sun devil, stayed home in Tempe, went to Arizona State, and I had the unique distinction. Well, I'm sure there's some others besides me, that at the end of my first year, ASU sent me a nice letter that said, please visit our fine junior college system. When you get your grades back up, come and see us. So I started to do that for a couple of years after I finally passed calculus after three semesters, tried to switch to business classes. And finally I said, why am I going to school? 
So I went to work in the soda pop business and wasn't until 40 years later that I went back to school with a purpose. It sounded like you had a similar start to that, to your uh, college side. <laughs> yes, there's definitely some echoes here. Um, I like to say, and again, subjective as it is, I'm not saying this is an objective reality, that the Gen X generation, of which I'm part of, was probably the last full generation that was led down the path of if you don't go to a university or a college, you're not going to amount to anything. Right. Okay. Right. So we were artificially segmenting our society and we were basically, whether we want to confront this reality or not, we were basically being elitists. Okay. So in other words, if you didn't go and you went to the trade school that was affiliated with my high school, for example, outside of Cleveland, Ohio, if you went there, people look down on you. It's like, oh, you're doing um, auto repair, you know, or you're how much, doing- how much, does, how much does your mechanic charge? <laughs> right. Or you're, right, exactly. And some of these people, if I were to follow up on them, probably have their own their own service station. So they are entrepreneurial. They can charge what they wish and they can attract the types of, you know, vehicles that they want. Right. And it's like the rest of us all flock into university and law diminishing marginal returns. And we're all, we're all deep in debt or whatever. Right. I'm not, again, I know this is a lot subjective, right. But so what am I saying is coming back to the main point. And this is important for the audience, especially if you're younger in this audience, or maybe you're even looking at reskilling and upskilling yourself as a 30-something, 40-something, or whatever. Keep this in mind. If you go out through history, most people who you would claim or believe are pretty well-educated, a good chunk of them never step foot in a formal classroom, or if they did, a lot of them dropped out. Right. Is that 100 percent universal? No, none of this stuff is anything that I'm sharing here. There's always going to be someone's and say, well, what about that person or what about that situation? Always an exception. Always. So being in the Gen X generation, I was led to that. So I was first generation in the Barraconi family to attend university. And I'm not I'm not I'm not disavowing myself from that. I just attended my uh, silver (laughs) reunion. Had a great time. But what I am saying now in my entrepreneurial life, which has been going on now for, let's see, if you count my side hustler days, I am coming up on, um, let me do the math in my head. I'm coming up on 12 years. Okay. okay. So in, tw- in almost 12 years of entrepreneurship, what I am saying now is that if you are deeply entrepreneurial, be very cautious that you don't put credentials ahead of skill building, skill development. So for me, it's all about being aware of what you're doing and have the why as your anchor. And if you, like yourself, come back along 30, 40 years later, chances are that was the better timing versus just following the herd and getting on a conveyor belt 
and saying, okay, I'm all automatically 17 or 18. I got to do X. I'm automatically want to do this. Therefore, I have to do this. Be willing to ask questions and don't be afraid of the answers because chances are you were not programmed to do the same thing as even your best friend was. So that is one of the things that I wanted to draw out here for your audience. And thank you for prompting that question. There's another, there's another cool thing about going back to school when you're older is I didn't want to sit in class at a junior college with my daughter. So I started with online, one of the online universities and stuff. And after a couple of years, I felt I need to get into a classroom. So I switched to another uh, for-profit college that's no longer there now in Anaheim. But the cool thing about it when I went back is I was smarter than most of the kids in the room because I had 20 some more years experience of life and that you could. And, and so there was, a, you know, I didn't have anybody if they said it, if they were saying it, they didn't say it out loud, but nobody said, oh boy, this guy must be a real dummy. Why is he coming back to school now? You know? And I missed my opportunity. My dad was a contract plumber. He was, yes, he wanted me to go to college because he said he wanted something better. But some years later, when I was in the soda pop business, his, he was a, a, you know, he'd build new construction. They got a bigger raise than I was making per hour one time. So, man, imagine I could have easily walked into that business. But like you said, there was a change going on. Growing up in the Phoenix area, I went to Alhambra High School. Phoenix Union High School was the trade school. They had auto shop and electrical and all that stuff. The other high schools might have some of those classes, but the main one was PAP, uh, Phoenix Union. They they actually, I believe, closed up for a period of time because everybody was putting, let's go to college. Let's go to, we don't want trades. Let's go. And now I think they've reopened it and it's made a big cut because now there's a big push coming back for skilled labor because we need more skilled labor. Bingo. We do, because here's the thing. A pendulum shifting too far to any extreme is not good for a balanced economy, but more importantly, um, a flourishing civil society. Civil society benefits by people leaning into their gifts, their skill development, and what is going to get them excited every day? You know, the old Energizer Bunny example, right? You know, it keeps going, you know, is if I plug you or if I plug myself or whatever into an electrical socket metaphorically, what gets me really excited, right? Probably taking my finger out of the socket. Right. <laughs> exactly. And it's... But see, and that's the thing, is when we tip that pendulum too far towards the college for all, we made a massive mistake, and it's going to take decades to clean up the mess. And we're finally starting to confront that. But there's still powerful forces that are still pushing back against this and saying, well, they need to be, you know, we need to have 62% or 65 or whatever percent that graduate from a four-year. And it's like, ah, 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 ah. What are you going to graduate in? Right. It's like, it's not about raw numbers. Let people be individuals. Don't throw people into collective, collectivism, collective groups, right? 
because of any measure. I don't care if it's socioeconomic. I don't care if it's um, national origin. Like I said, I'm 75% Southern European. Does that mean that just because I'm Southern European, I automatically like spaghetti or something? No, that is, that can be offensive to some people. And for me, I'm just going to laugh at it because I'm not easily offended. But still, point being is don't throw people into groups and say that 62% of people at 22 years old should have a four-year degree or something. It's like, where'd you come up with that? Let people be who they are meant to be and let them identify with their why, have a lifelong learning mentality, focus on skills, and understand that leadership is in itself a skill and should not be confused with administering something, administration, or someone managing a resource. Because a human is not a resource, I'm sorry to tell you. If that burst your Uh-oh. bubble in the audience, Uh-oh. forgive me. But no, <laughs> nope. Bring it on, man. But let's humans face it, are not Shane. resources. Humans are not resources. There you go. Let's face. Well, let's face it. Though, where did that come from? Because what was what was human HR called? What was human resources called before? You know, it was personnel department or whatever. How many titles? Whether mostly in management, but anywhere do we have now? And how many degrees, college degrees, do we have that literally are only there to make somebody feel more important because they've got a certain title? Well stated. Self-importance that is inflated with a title is not going to last long term. Okay, it'll give you an endorphin rush. It'll give you a sugar high. But does it have lasting ability? I would question that. Because here's the thing. Regardless of where you're from, I've been in the state of Ohio, in the Midwest of America, you know, United States for my whole life as of right now. Yes, (laughs) please do. Because you're talking about Arizona and other places that are a lot nicer climate wise, right? But um, here's what I say: it doesn't it doesn't matter as much about your geography here as what I'm saying is is look at it this way. Um. When you think about when you think about what really is going to get you up in the morning, especially if you had a later night or maybe you're not feeling as well, can you really say in your heart, spirit, and soul that a title is going to motivate you? Not probably not, especially if you're not a hundred percent that particular day, right? Well, I'm the VP of sales, right? Well, fantastic. I really, truly hope that you're really enjoying what you're doing, right? Or I am the COO of whatever. So you're in the C-suite. Fantastic. I don't want to pour water on what you're doing. Chances are you probably do have some credentials. But here's the thing. When the going isn't always you know, when the um, flood tide's gone and the ebb tide is here or the valley has arrived and the peak is behind you and you have to climb back up to the next peak and you have to wait for that next flood tide to come back into shore, what's going to sustain you? I believe that relationships will sustain you, social capital, communal capital through community will sustain you. I believe your ability to have leadership as a malleable skill as an adaptable skill will sustain you and your ability to be a lifelong learner. 
So that's what I would say to you and to your audience. And I think that that's really something that I hang my hat on. We are, we are all lifelong learners, some more than others, uh, or some choose not to. Some have chosen to be lifetime non-learners, which is sad, but I am, don't tell anybody, I'm 70 years old now, okay? I'm 70 years old, and I'm actually off on workman's comp because I took a job with COVID everything coming out. My speaking and stuff that I was trying to get going sort of, you know, was put on hold. And, but I like, you know, the wife likes me to make more money. I like making a little more money. So I actually had, had taken a job uh, merchandising as that was something I was familiar with. And I tripped over a pallet, landed on my shoulder and tore my rotator. And so I've had two surgeries already. It's a miserable injury. You're going to injure yourself, find something else to do. Something you said there brings up another question, and I don't want to knock teachers. Teachers are important. Don't get me wrong. But like anything else, there's good ones, there's bad ones. But when it comes to college professors, when it comes to college professors, could there be a bit of a self-motivating factor in pushing the college for everyone thing? That If there's more people there coming in, there's sort of a job security thing. And so, gee, we know we already got enough MBA. We're not going to be the top MBA school because Stanford is or USC is or whoever is. So we're going to be the top basket weaving school. We're going to be the top social justice school or, you know, all these titles, like you say, titles, degrees they come up with. And for what? What does it gain the people when they come out? Are any more of them going to have a secure career of some sort with that degree? Very interesting um, framing there. And I think there's some meat on that bone. So here's a few thoughts that I can toss on for consideration. First, this is an uncomfortable truth. And I think the word truth applies here. Again, always exceptions. But it's a little bit of an uncomfortable truth that when you're talking about primary and secondary school or what a lot of people call K to 12, let alone university, higher ed, undergraduate. There's a lot of elements that it is literally a self-perpetuation thing for adults to consider themselves accomplished, right? So in other words, they have every incentive to keep the status quo the way it is. Do you follow what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. So... Look at, though, and this is where looking in the mirror can be a little dangerous, right? We've all seen the movies over the years when you look in the mirror and it cracks and everything. It's like, do I really want to see what's on the other side, you know, looking deep into yourself? But this is it. If you happen to be in the audience here and this is you, don't take it personally. Look at it as a cult. This is where I would say you might want to look at a little bit more collectively or rather than the word collective, look at it as a system. You are part of a system that shouldn't self-perpetuate if it's not serving the original purpose of what you started as. Okay. Higher ed in America, and I can't speak as well to other nations. So if you happen to be listening to this in 
the UK or Canada or South America or some, forgive me for my lack of awareness of your local surrounding, your local economy. But look at it this way, at least in America, in the 50 states in DC, higher ed had a purpose for quite a number of years, decades and such. And that was producing a well-rounded graduate, someone who was really well-prepared to make an impact in the world beyond just having a piece of paper and some letters after their name or something. But when that stopped being their primary driver, that's when conventional higher ed stopped being about aspirational reasons for existing. And it was now about a self-perpetuating cycle of we're here, people should come to us automatically because we're here because you're a certain age or you're doing a certain type of profession, right? I don't believe that the law of diminishing marginal returns, the law of inertia, or a little bit less well-known law is, um, is Gresham's, which says that good money is followed by bad money. So not all the money you put into something is going to produce the same quality of return, good and bad money, right? These are natural universal laws, okay? They apply to organizations, whole societies and cultures, as well as to individual people. So when you confront these laws, understand that if you're pursuing a certain pathway, a certain career path, don't be afraid to do it a little differently, Don't be afraid to say, you know what, this college thing didn't work out, so I'm going to go off and I'm going to be a lifelong learner. I'm going to find myself a good mentor, good life coach, good career coach or something, whatever works for you, and I am still going to get what I want. It's just going to be a little different than doing it the same way that society says you have to do it because those people who are professors, the people who are staffers inside of these existing institutions, please confront what's in the mirror. And it's not about that you're a bad person. It's just the system has failed you, and the system is also failing your customers and clients. Do you follow that? There you go. There you go. Well, look at what drove me early on, as I mentioned. Go to college, get something to get it better, get that university. And engineering, we need engineering is basically an advanced trade. Let's put it that way. Okay, so that's back then – that was most of your degrees. You had, you know, you needed lawyers, you needed uh, engineers, you needed scientists, things like that. But then we threw in all this other stuff. Well, we, you know, and what was it? Was it because we needed more basket weavers? Or was it because we didn't want the person who loved basket weaving to feel like they're less of a person? You know, right. now tell me if you're somebody in this audience right now, if you're listening to this and you're in that say 18 to 25, maybe you're in college right now, maybe not, okay? SJ, how many, how much you do, if that person is, maybe they got family or teachers or somebody say, oh, look, you're really smart, let's go to university, go to college. But they, inside, they've got that entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe they, they like working with people to be the best cashier they could be or whatever it might be, right? So, if that if they've got this nugging, nagging, nugging, what's a nugging? A nagging to go to do something 
entrepreneurial like that to start something, right? How many of these big businesses are started in the basement or in the garage, right? But they're being pushed to go to college, right? Once they get to that college, how many, how much do you think the current college system, which many feel is large, a large indoctrination uh, organization to a degree, mm-hmm. how much do you think that takes that entrepreneurial spirit out of that student? Oh, that's a great question. Um, just like the previous one, there was meat on this bone and I'm, you know, we can talk for hours on each of these things. So <laughs> I, I narrow it down by necessity. But here is one way to look at that. The system in some ways is almost like natural erosion, right? Think about how certain um, landmarks and and again, I'm going to speak primarily of America because that's where I've lived my whole life. But I'm thinking off the top of my head of the Grand Canyon, lots of erosion, right? Created those canyons and though and you know the amazing you know, let alone if you talk about any other any other uh, national park, right? Sure, sure. There is a natural erosion that happens to an entrepreneurial mindset, which tends to be very grassroots, tends to be very solution focused, and tends to be very individualistic, at least to a certain degree, before you understand that interdependency is really where you want to be as an entrepreneur gets those relationships, right? But usually the flame starts with individual. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But the conventional collegiate undergrad system tends to create, whether it wants to or not, and it's open to discussion and honest debate in your, among your audience, if this is intentional or not, is it tends to create a dependent mindset. Dependent, independent, and interdependent, just like management and leadership, are not to be confused, Right? So here is where it happens is it's you have to be mindful if you are listening to this and you are taking college classes full time or part time. You have to be mindful that are you being counseled by people that you want to be where they are or they can connect you to people that you want to be aspirationally like? One of the best questions you can ever ask is, in five to 10 years, if someone, if, if you think someone is a great role model for you, ask them if, it, you know, to rewind the clock five or 10 years, would they still want to be where they are now? Are they on that pathway? If not, then why would you want to model yourself after someone who didn't really get what they wanted out of it, right? They didn't get their passion, their mission, their vision, their legacy, right? Because maybe they are relying only on financial and material, and eventually you can make a ton of money and still be incredibly unhappy and lacking joy and purpose, right? Oh, I can't imagine that. Yeah, it never (laughs) happens, right? So if, wait a minute, is it the is it is it the lack of money the root of all evil? <laughs> Ooh, that is a very good one. We've been discussing that one for millennia, right? Is it the love of money that's the root of all evil, or is it money by itself? And oh my goodness, that's a deep well right there. No, you missed. I said the lack of money. Oh, is the, the root lack of. of. <laughs> right. 
I was putting away the lack of and just using the, the bigger thing, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a whole other can of worms right there. But that is the thing is if you think, and this is where a lot of the people who are status quo actors in this system are now pushing on right now. And I'm, I'm very mindful of this is they are pushing on the fact that if you get this for your credential, you're going to make on average 1.1 million more or whatever. And right. here's the thing. They forget to tell you a couple key things about that. And it's not because they're bad people. Usually it's just that they're not, holistic. They're being a little too linear. And here's what they're forgetting. That 1.1 million, what is the impact on inflation, your purchasing power, right? By the time inflation gets done, what it's probably going to be half of that, if that. Number two, what opportunity cost came? What did you give up in the opportunity cost? Was it to start your own HVAC business? Was it to pursue that entrepreneurial dream? Maybe you saw it from your neighbor, saw it from a family member. Maybe you saw it even on Shark Tank or something. Was it that you wanted to start a family at a younger age, but because of all the debt you incurred and the time you put into it, you feel like you have to stick in your career now to make it justified in your own eyes? but maybe you wanted a bigger family and you've now sacrificed that dream. Those are the two big things that they usually don't tell you when they throw those financial material figures at you is they forget to tell you about the impact of inflation and they forget to tell you about one of the biggest things that you learn in basic economics, opportunity cost. So I'll leave you with that for your audience to consider. Well, that's, that's pretty big. You know, what I tell you to be in it, Everybody said I should be an engineer because I was good at math and science. And I read a book that said I'm going to make a hundred grand. And at, at 15 years old, 16 years old, that was sort of my world. Okay. Same, I mean, same like me when I was 13, grew up in Arizona. The only pro baseball we had was Phoenix Giants minor league in spring training. And a story I like to tell my friends is 19, I was a, I grew up a Yankee fan because in Arizona, Yankees were on TV every Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. Mickey Mantle was king. 63, the Dodgers swept the Yankees in the World Series. My wife, unfortunately, is a Dodger fan. I found her in California, right? So I still had a couple of years later, a couple of pitchers held out. They signed their contracts. They were at the stadium one day for a spring training game. They weren't pitching, but I had a program with four autographs on it. Ron Paranoski, Claude Osteen, Don Drysdale, Sandy Koufax. That program was in the trash before I left because I hated the Dodgers. Because at 13 years old, I'm not thinking, oh, it's going to be worth some money someday. But now a few years later, now I'm looking at going to college maybe, and I think, okay, I want to make some money someday, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, engineering sounds cool. Oh, yeah, I get to build bridges or skyscrapers. or in the, That sounds cool, right? Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine who worked was an engineer without a degree. He worked for, I think, Rockwell, I met, my mentor in California. He told me when he's Mike, you don't have the personality to be an engineer. <laughs> I can't see you being an engineer. You know, I can't see you do that. Everybody, the other thing people used to say is because I talk a lot, I should be a lawyer, a politician, or a preacher, right? Okay. But now I'm a coach. So that's a, I'm a coach. I'm a mixture of all that stuff, right? So, 
too often we get caught up in this. And just like you said, we don't think about the overall, we don't think about where our strengths are. We're not encouraged to accept how it will apply to college. We're not, you know, and, and I love sports. A good story that was my, again, my favorite idol back then was Mickey Mantle. Why did Mickey Mantle never become a coach? Well, because coaching, like you say, leadership and, and management are two different things. Coaching and playing are two different things. Now, are there some good players that became coaches who were good coaches? Sure there are. Like Mickey Mantle. I, I read a story about him one time where he was, I think it was Tom Tresh, who asked him, you know, how do you hit so good or whatever? And he, you know, keep your eye on the ball, swing, see the ball, hit the ball. And, he, you know, that was it. He Because he, he didn't know how he, Mickey didn't know how he did what he did. He just did it. And I've been around a few of those athletes, you know, we had a guy who used to play on our church basketball and softball teams, a scratch golfer. He was natural athlete and everything, right? They just have this natural ability that most of us don't have. How do they, so but we don't, when it comes to trades, when it comes to plumbers and uh, woodworking or whatever it might be, oh, no, go to college first. You can always do that later, right? Yep. But I really like doing this. Well, yeah, but that's not important. Go be, go get that basket weaving degree and uh, it'll pay off somewhere, you know, because you'll have that degree. You'll have those letters behind your name, right? That's right. How often does it pay off? Well, see, and that's the question. Um, Stephen Covey wrote that, you know, whether you do the Cliff Notes version or you read the whole thing. He wrote back in 92, um, over 30 years ago, and as we record, he wrote uh, Seven Habits, right? Right. Since we fail to teach those kind of principles in almost every known four-wall classroom, we forget something that's very important. It took me until my roughly my mid-30s to figure this out. That's why I'm so dedicated to the Zoomers and the Millennials and even fellow Xers, right? And then as we continue to add more generations is – if I can cut the amount of time that they spend wandering in the wilderness professionally, I would love to do it because here's the thing. I learned once I was exposed to Covey, for example, habit two, begin with the end in mind. Um, sharpen the saw. There's your lifelong learning mindset, right? Synergize. There's your relationship building, your communal, your social capital. Seek first to be understood before you're understood. So understand them first. Win-win or no deal. All of these are very foundational to successful life. But when we get too narrow-minded about dollars and cents, or we get too narrow-minded about what we believe respect and recognition is, which is in some title or some physical office in the corner or something or whatever, that's when we lose sight of the bigger things. Okay. And it took me again until my mid thirties, roughly before I realized this and it's not too late. Look what you said. You, you were very vulnerable, very authentic, very much and said, Hey, I'm 70 years old. Right. Because guess what? Chronological age and intellectual intellectual um, fire, if you will, you know, um, you basically regenerated your uh, neural pathways. 
they're, they don't run directly in um in a linear fashion, right? So just because you're 70 doesn't mean that you're now watching old reruns of your favorite TV show or something. It doesn't mean you've been spying on me. (laughs) You've been spying on me. Um, No, no. (laughs) But see, that's the thing is you can pursue lifelong learning because guess what? There's that magical word in there, life. And then long. See, and that's the thing. That's where college classrooms tend to fail because here's the thing that's a little bit misunderstood. There's in my view, there's absolutely nothing wrong when you understand the proper definition of a liberal arts curricula, but it's using the right definition though. The definition of liberal here has to be focused on broad-based learning. It has to be focused on creating an individual that will eventually become part of interdependent relationships in life, their local community, their local rotary, their local chamber, build those interdependent bonds. And it also has to be focused on true leadership that comes from the grassroots, from a, per, from a place of serving and solving, not lording over other human beings, AKA, AKA, aristocracy, which we supposedly kicked to the curb with two wars in this country's (laughs) history, but apparently we never did. They're still here. The aristocrats never left. So with that being said, that's when you you define liberal the right way. The problem is, is one of the reasons why conventional higher ed went off the rails years ago is they started to redefine what liberal meant, number one. Number two, they became a self-perpetuation machine for adults to justify themselves with fancier and fancier titles and such. And that's where it went off the rails. So am I saying that college is bad 100%? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, though, is ask these bigger questions. Make sure that your why is clear. And don't necessarily have to fall into the same norms as other people. Maybe you go back and get that four-year degree in your 40s after you got some tread on your tires from running a business or from, you know, or from raising the family or giving to a local, you know, a local charity or whatever. Don't just follow what the masses do because just because the masses do something does not make it right. That's what I'm saying. So that's a few additional thoughts that I wanted to drop in before we were done here today. SJ, I think we're going to have to do another session. So after we get done, we're going to, if you want to do another one, because I want to get, I think we can do a whole one on the leadership management thing, but I want to leave you with this today. And something I said, I wrote a book that I'm still here because in 2015, I had a heart attack and I tell my story, uh, my heart was down to 20% capacity. I was in more danger of heart failure for the next 30 days than heart attack. The The cardiologist came in that night into my room. He said, you had a massive heart attack. I said, how massive? He said, it doesn't get any worse. I said, yeah, it does. I'm still here. I'm still here. And so the thing and part of the premise of my book, I mean, it's the book is geared to how many times have we had near-death experiences we don't even realize? Count your blessings. And the, and the biggest, meant, uh, what do I say, the paradigm that I drives almost every is we have a purpose. God put us on this earth with a purpose. 
And until and that purpose is related to God. We've taken that out of society or a lot of people, not everybody, right? Until not your purpose, but until his purpose for your life is finished, you're not going anywhere. Why is it one person gets run over one day and, and has a tragic accident? They're 20 years old. And my great grandma lived to 105. You know, we never know. So while we look for that purpose, what defines that purpose? I love the way you put that stuff out there. And let's let's see what do we do. My purpose for going back to school, because I was a walk-on softball coach in 2008, 2009, 2010, running there. I forget exactly. Oh, 2012. Holy cow, I'm getting old. But but what it is is I wanted my one of my principals wanted to hire me as a substitute teacher, so I went back to school to get a degree so I could just be a substitute teacher, which would what would it do? It would make me more money, right? Give me a better connection with the students. There was so much. Now there were things went on. I'll tell you about another day why I didn't finish that. I did finish the degree. I got a bachelor's. Now please tell me. By the way, SJ, where did you go to university? I went to a liberal arts university in um, central Ohio in the Midwest. Um, it's called Ohio Wesleyan. Oh, I've heard. Okay. Thank God. I, I just didn't want you to hear to say that. I didn't want you to hear that. I went to the Ohio state university because obviously no. being a sun devil, especially, and I got my master's at Ohio right. university in Athens. So right. uh, yep. believe yep. it or not. Anyway, but no, we've got, our purpose drive, everything we talked about today, people have forgotten to look at the purpose. They've got their focus off at either money or a title or credentials. And what does that equal out to, to some degree? Doesn't that equal out to idolatry? We, we want to be worshipped for this piece of paper. We want to be, we all want to feel good. Nobody wants to, to feel like we're not worth something but we forget the reason why we are worth something. You know, God put us on this earth with a purpose that makes us worth something before we do anything else. Now let's get our energy back. Maybe I need to go to college to pursue the purpose. Maybe I need to go be a plumber. No, we need plumbers who wants to clean their own. No. <laughs> Wrap it up here, SJ. Exactly. So here's a few final thoughts as we wrap this up. And thank you for the invitation to do some more. more. Um, I'd be glad to, because here's the thing. Again, it took me to my mid-30s to realize a lot of this stuff. And this is not a this is not casting aspersion or third-partying the university that I now shared. It's just that the university, in my view, was better than probably the alternative because my father had sold his business by that point. So I didn't have a business huh. to take over because if he still would have been in business by the time university came along, I might have just chosen to apprentice with him and, and stuck with it. Right. Who knows? Oh, right. But here's the few last thoughts I have on this is indeed purpose is a much deeper anchor because let's compare two buildings from two different historical epochs. The Leaning Tower of Pisa, something was wrong with that foundation, which is why it's been, <laughs> le it's been leaning, right? And let's now compare it to a much newer building, the Burj Khalifa in uh, Dubai. 
Okay. Tallest building in the world as of right now, it'll eventually be topped. But here's the thing. That building, if you watch any of the videos on, and I think one or two of them are attached to the actual Burj website, the official website, what they did with that foundation was an amazing thing. They made absolutely sure if we're going to build this ginormous building that's going to reach literally into the clouds, we better do it right. So that is what you have to look at when you're looking at your future professionally, is don't just look at it through tissue paper-like reasons. My neighbor is going to university, therefore I'm going, or or whatever. Or my um, guidance counselor, who I really don't like, says I have to go to college, or, <laughs> or, or I'm going to be a mountain nothing, or whatever. And again, I know these are caricatures, so please forgive me, folks. But I'm just saying, the point being is this. Final thought. Be very clear about the why clarity over confusion and attempt to put yourself into a future state of yourself before you get too far down the pike and say, well, wait a minute, how'd I end up here? Right? That is what I'll leave you today is think about where you're going before you get there. Amen. Amen. We do that with the map, don't we? SJ, thank you so much. I hear the weed whacker spinning which means it's time to wrap up this episode. We will definitely schedule another one because we can do a whole other one. I, I, I've i never really thought of what you said about the difference of leadership and management. Like I said, I've thought about it from the standpoint of coaching and playing, which is sort of the same thing, the difference between leadership and management. Uh, two different skills, both needed. Where can we go with that? So we'll definitely do another. There goes the weed whacker. We're out of here this time. My, my guest, S.J. Barracone. And we will be back again with another Weed Whacker. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget my email. I did get my email address. Coach Mike at CoachMikeNow.com. Let me hear from you. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to Coach Mike at CoachMikeNow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike Or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success. Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker Podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, Send us an email to Coach Mike at CoachMikeNow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, 
Or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success.